all human thought, all science, science all religion, religion, or philosophy, or human to because we gaze at the stars, or do we gaze at them because we are human? Why does really? the stars gaze back? World to world, the sky, when the stars were wrong, it could not live. But although they no longer lived, they would never really die. When the universe is vast and inexplicable, and you are weak and insignificant, then you know you're playing Call of Cthulhu. This is an actual play of Call of Cthulhu 7th edition, featuring adult themes and horror. Listener discretion is advised. Find our published scenarios at starsareright.com or contact us for help unleashing your own twisted tales upon an unsuspecting world. And now, settle in, dear listener. Intrigue, high adventure, and cosmic horror await when the stars are right. Hello and welcome back, listeners. Today we will be playing Session 2 of Alone Against the Frost. I am Jason, your keeper for the day, and the player tonight is Lydia. Who are you playing tonight, Lydia? Hi, everybody. I'm playing Dr. Lisa Nadelman. She is a very intrepid anthropologist and explorer, and she is somewhere in the mysterious depths of the Canadian wilderness. Indeed. And... What an escapade you've had so far. You've stumbled on all sorts of strange and wonderful creatures. Mm -hmm. The first of which you chose to run away from. <laughs> the second of which they chose to run away from you. Yep. And then you temporarily abandoned your students to go into a strange beehive-shaped building and, well, see all sorts of stuff, really. Uh, from the land before time. Yep. For science and anthropology. Indeed. And the book rights. But now we get to the nitty gritty. The sampling and finding fossils and all the stuff that you've come here for in the first place. It does not take long to confirm that you have discovered a redoubt of unprecedented prehistoric survival. Animal tracks that fit no modern beast of the north abound in the sand and mud. You wish now that you had studied more paleontology. Record the keyword inch cape. Duly recorded. Once you've done that, you can attempt either a hard intelligence role or a regular science botany role. Well, I have got a very big int rating, not to brag, but I have 90. So I think it will be sensible to go for that. The hard int role. Blimey number 90. And that was an 80. So, hmm. That's, oh, that's way too much luck to spend, really, isn't it? I'd have mm. to spend, yeah, over 40 points of luck. Okay, never mind. Hmm. So, although many varieties of plants grow near at hand, your knowledge of paleobotany is too meagre to allow you to select samples as proof of discovery. A trophy of a supposedly extinct animal would offer reliable proof to your colleagues at home. 
but you might subject your students to grave hazard if you remain in this fantastic valley. So, you can choose to either leave the valley without physical proof of your visit, or you can take longer to seek evidence. I don't think there's any immediate harm. Can't see any velociraptors barreling towards us or anything like that. So yeah, I, I think I think we should stay and look a bit further. Okay. You and the others advance up the Lost Valley and into the verdant Meadowland at its heart. I'd like you to make me a combined natural world and luck roll, please. Okay. So natural world i have 60 in natural world and i have 85 luck so right that was 89 which would have been a fail for either of them oh dear me that's not very good is it <laughs> deary deary me the valley opens into grassy meadows upon which numerous herds of hoofed mammals graze while predators skulk nearby hoping to isolate one who is old, young, or sick. Despite your limited background in paleontology, the sight of these creatures astonishes you. It does not require expertise to recognize that early varieties of horse, camel, and bison, as well as elephant, rhinoceros, and beasts with no close modern relative exist here now, as they did in earlier epochs. A shape bounds out of the high grass in front of Bernard. You glimpse a humpless camel around the size of a large deer, doubtless flushed from the meadow by a carnivore. Impulsively, Bernard lifts his rifle and fires. The beast gives a squeal of pain and lurches away. Rather than lose his kill and the trophy you require, Bernard bounds after it. He does not realize that his shot has fallen like a thunderclap among the animals of the plain. Their frightened cries echo through the air and they begin to stampede. Too late, Bernard realizes that he stands in the path of a charging herd of long-horned bison. He spins and races back the way he came. Despite his danger, you cannot pause to help him. You are all in peril. Only the nearby woods afford refuge from the tide of horns, antlers, and hooves. The rest of you run for the trees, feeling something like an earthquake beneath your souls. Make me, once again, a dex roll for Bernard, please. Oh, poor Bernard. What did he ever do to the writer of this scenario? I'm sensing a pattern with these rolls. <laughs> did you say that was a dodge or a dex, sorry? A dex roll, please. A dex. Okay, he has 30. Yes, that was a hard success, but it's three points off an extreme. Ooh, you. Terra lends the New Yorker fleetness of foot. As you scramble into the low-hanging boughs of an oak, Norman leans down. He grabs Bernard's arm and swings him up into the branches. The stampede rushes around the sturdy bowl, leaving the group of you somehow unharmed. After all that, it seems unnecessary to admonish Bernard for his recklessness. You can choose to give up exploring this dangerous place, or remain for a while. 
Well, since we've got the terrible danger out of the way and absolutely nothing bad will happen here, clearly we'll be fine to stay, and I think we should. Very well. After such a close call, you know you must lead the students from this valley. But, for the expedition's sake, you will make one more attempt to find physical proof. Now, you can choose to either head into the hills, or persist with the beasts of this meadowland, or you can go scouting in pairs. I think we've seen that the beasts are too dangerous, so we're going to back away from them. We're not going to go and get squashed by bison and camels and everything else. Um, splitting the party, that's always a wise decision, isn't it? Hmm. Uh, I believe it's normally not a wise decision. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I know. What was the first choice again? Uh, go into the hills. Uh, I think the hills. I think that's what we'll try and do, but we'll stay together. Okay. In search of physical evidence of your discovery, your party leaves the floor of the valley and climbs into a series of rocky, wooded hills. Suddenly, something moves along the game trail you have been following. You take a gulp of air. It's a hooved beast, a tawny animal more like an antelope than anything else you've ever seen. But it has six Y-shaped horns sprouting along the sides of its head. If you brought this head back to civilization, no one could doubt the importance of your discovery. At the first whiff of your unfamiliar scent, the hexacorn spins and breaks along the trail. Your group races in pursuit. Within seconds, Bernard trips over a dead branch and suffers a bad spill. Seeing the chase is futile, the rest of you stop and help Bernard to rise. His ankle is sprained. Nothing too serious if he takes it easy. But he may not be able to. Professor, look! Norman points up the ridge. You stare with astonishment. Gigantic, hairy ape men. Make me a sanity roll, please. San roll. Yes, 75 against 80. Okay. With an effort of will, you hold yourself together. Bernard does not. Damn it, Bernard. Terrorized, he hobbles away on his injured ankle. Oh, no. Yeah, he's becoming a bit of a liability, isn't he? He really is. So you can choose to follow him, or you can stand firm with Norman and Sylvia and greet the creatures as if they were primitive men. Normally, I would say don't leave anybody behind, but I feel like turning our backs on these people is probably not a good idea. So, Bernard isn't walking very quickly. Maybe we'll be able to catch up with him later. I'm going to stand my ground and greet them. Okay. The beastmen advance down the slopes, wary. They are fully upright, human-like, despite their muscular bulk and apish crests. When they get close, you start to cough. Their stench is overwhelming. Your years of training suggest techniques to pacify and mollify these creatures. Make an anthropology roll, please. 
Wow, I have 85 in anthropology. She's good at this. And I needed that 85 because I just rolled an 82. Fantastic. The Sasquatchers approach without overt threatening gestures. Holding your breath against their odor, you allow them to peer like curious children into your face and to touch your garments with clumsy fingers. They wear puzzled expressions, perhaps unable to decide if the cloth is a strange kind of colorful skin. After a few minutes of this, the creatures lose interest and shuffle away. Sylvia and Norman stare at each other, amazement in their eyes. This is the field experience they had hoped for, a true example of theory into practice. You only hope you can get them back to Miskatonic University and see its effects on their studies. After a moment, you remember the search for Bernard. The Lost Valley seems to have swallowed him up. Hopefully not too literally. You can choose to explore further without him, or you can leave the valley. Oh no, no option to go find him? Ah. Uh, explore the valley in the hope that we're going to come across him. Okay. You seek unusual animal life, and you are successful. Roll a d10 for me and tell me if it's an odd or even result, please. Okay. Uh, that is another odd, because I've rolled seven again. Alright. Your party takes a break, and Sylvia steps out of sight for a few minutes. After a time, you become concerned and call her name. There is no answer. You search the bushes thoroughly, but find nothing except her tracks commingled with those of a giant. Norman examines them and shakes his head. When he stands up, you see a weariness that you recognize in yourself. Could you really be thinking of abandoning Sylvia? You can now follow the tracks. You can ignore them and leave the valley or ignore them and head into the valley. Oh, we have to follow the tracks, definitely. She's far too rich and her parents are far too influential for me to go back without her. <laughs> oh, I see. So it's uh, it's that kind of approach. Okay. <laughs> nah, no. This is this is don't leave anyone behind. Definitely. Uh -huh. Even though talking to her parents would be really quite damaging to my career. So we got to find her. Leave no one behind except for Bernard. Okay. Poor Bernard. <laughs> Poor Bernard. Hoisting the supplies to your shoulders, you follow the trail of Sylvia's abductor. Make me a track roll. I think I've got pretty good track. No, I absolutely don't. Let's see if uh, my one remaining student has anything at all. <laughs> yeah, they're dropping like flies at the moment, aren't they? They really are. So, Norman... Ah... Well, he has 15, which is better than base 10. So, let's see what we get here. 65. Mm. Nowhere near. The city streets of Manhattan aren't quite the same as this. Not really. By accident or cunning, the creature's trail leads into a stream. Try as you might, you cannot pick up the spore. 
Frustrated, Norman kicks the bank. You can now strike out at random in search of Sylvia, or you can abandon your efforts and return to civilization, or you can do a bit of both. Give up the search, but explore the Lost Valley. I think at this point, we just have to trust to luck. So we're going to strike out at random. All right. Let's hope you're right. You and Norman search for signs that Sylvia has gone this way. But while your attention is on the tracks, you may be noticed. So I'm going to need you to make me a combined track and luck roll. Well, my luck is pretty good, but as has been established, my track is very poor, as is poor Norman's. But let's give it a go. So that was 69, which would be a pass against the luck, but it would not be a pass against the track. Okay, could be better, could be worse. So only succeeded with luck. You cross an open meadow full of grazing beasts. In quiet wonder, you study early species of horse, elephants, camels, antelope, and other such animals. A shadow glides over the flowering grass ahead of you. The animals let out frightened trumpets and bleats. Whatever the flying thing is, it terrifies them. Do you look up into the sky? Or do you try and get out of the open? I think you, you would, wouldn't you? You'd look up instinctually. Well, I guess so. Your jaw drops open. Make a sanity roll. This isn't anything very good, is it? 87 against 80. I'm going to spend seven points of luck on that. I'm afraid you can't with sanity. That's the one thing you can't spend oh, luck on. Oh, of course you can't. Ah, yes, yeah. of course. Ignore All me. Right. Can you lose 1d6 sanity for me? <laughs> I can. Let's see. Luckily, that was only a one. Oh, that was very good. Okay. Uh, because uh, if you weren't able to avoid temporary insanity, then uh, things would have ended rather quickly for you. <laughs> okay, so you lose one point of sanity. Your blood runs cold as you spot the fungoid abomination gliding through the air overhead. Around you, the beasts panic and begin to move. Gain one point of Cthulhu Mythos. Cool. I have six Mythos points. Very nice. You and Norman take to your heels. The panicked herds crash through the grass behind you, gaining fast. You will never make it to the woods. Make me an intelligence roll. And you're going to need to do well on this roll. Let's put it like that. <laughs> well, luckily, as I mentioned, I've got 90 intelligence. So, let's see. Yes, that's very good. That is 18 against 90. So that is just an extreme success. Oh, just an extreme success. Oh, very nice. Mm -hmm. Just 18. Okay, good. So off to one side, you spot a small geological formation. You drag Norman down behind it. The bleating, bawling stampede passes over and around you. Several pairs of feet missing your heads by inches. Guilt-ridden over the loss of Sylvia and your own inability to save her, 
you and Norman edge along the submerged ledge that leads to the outside world. I love how it's still completely ignoring Bernard here. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor Bernard. The journey before you and Norman promises to be long and hard. Now, just remind me, have either of you lost any hit points? Uh, no. No, I no, okay. got 15 hit points. Oh, which fantastic. is what I started right. with. Okay then, no worries. So, you can either strike as direct a route as possible. You can hold parallel to the river's course. You can search for existing trails. You can explore rocky terrain. Or you can camp first and regain a little strength. I think camping would probably be a good idea. We've had a real shock. And let's just give Bernard, who is hobbling, and hopefully Sylvia as well, if she ever manages to escape from whatever's got her, let's just give them a chance to find us. All right, well, let's see if you can find somewhere decent to camp first. So give me a luck roll, please. Okay. 92, unfortunately. Oh, dear. You can't spend luck on luck, can you? You can't. No, I'm afraid mm -hmm. not. As night draws in, the baying of wolves becomes incessant. You catch Norman's eye and see his nerves are worn to the snapping point. When you chance upon a cave, it seems wise to stop there for the night. Your luck seems to turn as you are able to kill a snowshoe hare for supper. As the two of you chew its stringy meat, the woods fall silent. The owls, the crickets, even the wolves cease their calling. Some unseen menace pervades the twilight. Perhaps Norman's mood is rubbing off on you. Now, let's turn to the fire that you've lit. Would you rather douse the flames and conceal yourselves, or stoke them higher? Well... Leaving the flames would, I think, scare the wolves away, and we know there are wolves. And it would also be a signal for the party members that we've lost, but it would also show the Sasquatches or anything else that might be out there where we are. That's a tough decision. Uh... I think we're going to have to douse the flames, sadly. Okay. Douse the flames it is. Huddled in dank darkness, the two of you hide from the creatures outside. You hear many pairs of strange feet scuttling close by. Make me a stealth roll, both for Norman and for yourself, and let me know who succeeds, who fails. Uh, now, I just have base 20 in stealth, so I will do mine first. 16, that's a narrow pass, but it is a pass. Ooh. And, oh, Norman, he is much more stealthy. He's got 40 in stealth, so let's see what he gets. <laughs> 78, your 40 points will not help you, Mr. Faulkner. Oh, <laughs> No, indeed. Okay. You hear an unearthly crackle 
A blast of cold sweeps through the darkness and numbs one side of your face. Norman scrambles away into the depths of the cave. You can fight it out with these bizarre intruders, or you can bolt from the cave and abandon Norman. Oh no! He's my one student left! But, ah, oh, how can you fight these things? Oh no, uh, I'm so sorry, Norman. Going to have to run and hope that he also runs. Okay. Now you're going to be alone against the frost. Mm -hmm. Flush from the cave, intent upon survival, you die for the thickets to escape the weird attackers. Make me a luck roll, please. As stated, I have 85 luck, so that's pretty good. And again, I needed it because that was a 74, so that's a pass. Mm, you certainly did. You run until you fall, utterly spent. When you look back, you hear and see nothing. You are safe for the moment, but now you must face the big woods alone. And that's the end of the prologue. No. <laughs> Despondent over the prospect of a trek through the wildest stretches of the Northwest Territories, you ram your way through the bush with bitter violence. Thunder rumbles in the western mountains like the echo of distant drums. The peaks fade into a lowering canopy of clouds. You wade a small river and then cross a pine ridge. The scenery blurs together as you go. In the days that follow, you try to fish with your bare hands, eat whatever you can kill, and take the berries that grow along the way. You are undergoing a test that would daunt a seasoned frontiersman. Make a survival woodland roll, please. Luckily, I have 50 in survival woodland, so let's hope that pays off. And it did, because that was a double O2, an extreme success. Oh, fantastic, wonderful. It is time to decide the course of your expedition. Fort MacDonald lies within your reach, and you may go there to end your experience in the North Hanina. If you still have an appetite for exploration, you may take a short side trip, or even strike back out into the depths of the valley. Except, you can't come to think of it, given it says later on in the text that you have to have at least three party members. So, your choices are, you can either return to Fort MacDonald or take a side trip. I'm going to take a side trip, I think, because I've lost all my students. And at this point, the good doctor is just trying to make it mean something and make it worth something. Well, exactly. Yeah. Can't go back empty handed after all that's happened. No. And also, we all know that the side quests are the best quests. Oh, yes. Of course, you must return to Fort MacDonald, but there is still time for one last side trip in the hopes of learning a little more about the North Hanina Valley. Despite the risks and your weakened condition, you divert from the direct route to Fort MacDonald, determined to explore as much of the valley as possible before you quit. 
So you can either strike deep into the forest, hug the tree line, explore rocky environs, or stick to the river. Well, we know where the river goes. We know it goes back because we were taking the canoe the whole way. So that would be the safe option. However, however, I think the tree line seems like a calculated risk because you're not going too far into the darkness and too far into the trees. So yeah, going to uh, hug the tree line. Okay. As you wander the banks of the North Hanina alone, you hear the crackle of walkers in the woods ahead. At first your heart leaps at finding other people, but then you remember the cruel lessons of the big woods. They may not be friendly. You hide and wait for them. A moment later, a party of men appears. Undersized men with a naturally grey skin. One holds the severed head of a woodsman. You duck your head, hoping they will not see you. Make a stealth roll, please. What is it that the people in these woods have about my head? <laughs> With my massive 20% stealth. 42. Nope. Oh dear. Losing my head again. They want your big they brain. They do, my big juicy brain. After the physical and mental ordeals of the last week, you are in terrible shape. Your tension causes an involuntary spasm and your leg jerks in the dry leaves. The murderous men call out shrilly and point your way. You must run for it. Let's do it. The shrieking war party pursues you. You are already tired. Your only hope lies in getting sufficiently far ahead to hide. Make another stealth roll, please. Okay. <laughs> 78. I'm doomed. Oh, dear. My delicious, delicious brain will be in their cooking mm. pots tonight. Yeah. They chuck the other head behind them as they realize you're this far <laughs> superior. <laughs> you hear a whirring sound. Something bangs into your shins and yanks your feet from beneath you. A bolas. You hit the ground face first. The little men seize you, bind you, and carry you away. Roll me a d10 and tell me if the result is even or yet again odd. Okay, here we go. Last chance to escape. Ah, that was an even for once. I don't know Ooh. if that's good or if that's bad. Me neither. The diminutive people carry you out of the glen to a lonely spot. Here a houndstooth rock stands under the gnarled evergreens, marked with carvings and painted symbols. They tie you to the rock and begin to circle around you, their bone adornments clicking an unwelcome rhythm. Several yell over what seems to be an old fire pit. A glowing vapour curls from it, swirling into a tight, dazzling mass. As the hunters cavort, they launch ecstatic shouts to heaven. As you glance up, the mists have parted, and with an odd clarity you see the Hyades in the head of Taurus. Cold wind massages your face. As you shiver, you get the impression that the sky 
a terrifying voice just a moment ago is now rushing down upon you. Inexplicably, they cut your bonds and flee. You fall to your knees beneath the stone. Nadelman! Nadelman! The raw wind whispers in your ears. With the sound comes a compulsion to run towards its source to somehow touch the wintry sky. You desperately want to reach, to merge with whatever is up there. In the summons is an offer. Existence wilder than life. Death that conquers death. Change that transcends immortality. I'd like you to make an opposed power roll, please. And I also need to do a roll. I've got a pretty good pal. I've got 80. But let's see. That was 20, which is a hard success. Okay. Very good. When you come to, you are lying on a hard bed of pebbles besides a small, deeply incised stream. Suddenly, your head is filled with visions of the terrors you have encountered. You sit bolt upright, scanning the dense skeletal stands of aspen and paper birch on either side of the ravine. As far as you can tell, you are alone and in no immediate danger. You check your weapons and find nothing but your hunting knife still in its sheath. You decide to stay where you are until morning, in the faint hope that someone will find you. By the time the mists are burned off by the morning sun, you give up that hope. You are on your own. No wholesome party of scouts on a nice outing. Or hikers with a little bottle of brandy and chocolate. Shame. Could well be about to die of exposure. How is your HP looking? Are you still at full health? Yeah, I am. My I goodness. got really lucky with my woodland survival. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of which, I'd like you to make another one of those survival woodland rolls, if you please. Okay. And as before, I have 50. So it's even odds. Although that was a 60. I've rolled. That was a fail. Now I could spend 10 points of luck. Yeah, you could do. I think I ought to. Okay. So you've done a little side expedition, which once again ended in failure, or at least open-ended mystery as to what on earth was beyond those clouds. You can now choose to take another side trip or return to Fort McDonald. I think by this point, the professor realizes that she's going to die out here in the woods. She's going to die out there and she wants to die for a reason, but she's learned things. She's seen things that she could never explain back to her colleagues in Arkham. 
So I think she's going to go on another side trip and see where it takes her. And she's just ready to let the wilderness swallow her up and whatever mysteries are out there. Okay. Not quite what I was expecting, but uh, there we go. You're the player. That's where the plot is. <laughs> well, yes. This time, do you choose to strike deep into the forest? or explore rocky environs, or stick to the river? I think the rocky area would at least give a good field of vision. So if anything comes trying to sneak up on her, she'll see it coming. So yeah, we're going to go around the rocky environs, I think. After each day of lonely travel, you spread your tattered sleeping blanket on an anonymous rock, concerned only that it be dry. This one seems like any other. That was an incredibly unconvincing sentence from the book there. <laughs> now, how's your science geology? Uh, non-existent. Right. Because there's not even a base. It's just Science 01, but there's no sub-discipline, is mm. there? No, no, that's right. Okay, then, that answers that question. Bernard had geology, I think. He's limping his way. <laughs> I don't know where he is. Poor Bernard. Return to Fort MacDonald or take a side trip. So there's literally nothing. You go up to the rocks and it just takes you straight back. Yeah, if you fail the roll, yeah. I think the most sensible thing is probably to follow the river, because as I mentioned earlier, we know where it eventually leads. And maybe if I do get chased by the headhunters again, maybe I could swim for it. Yeah, I'm going to follow the river. Okie dokie. Give me a luck roll. Luck is at 75, which is still pretty good. 47. Yep, that's fine. Okay, excellent. The shore seems devoid of berries, game, or anything else to eat. Your concentration and reflexes noticeably impaired, you are reduced to wandering the shoals of the riverside, attempting to spear fish with a sharpened pole. Around one bend, however, you find an abandoned canoe. You can use the canoe if you want to dare the rough water ahead, or you can choose to leave it behind. I've got 41 in boating, so yeah, I think that's a good decision. I'm going to take the boat. Exactly. You climb aboard the canoe and set out downriver. At your next rest spot, fish and game abound. A good meal does wonders to restore you. At last, you come to the treacherous segment of the river that Charlie Foxdale called the Place of Splitting Water. And, you guessed it, make a pilot boating roll. Now, 41, that's what we're looking for. 005, extreme oh, success. Amazing. Oh, yeah. That must have been a really good meal. Oh, yeah. You pass the place of splitting water with no particular difficulty and reach the calmer waterways of the West Branch. The foraging is ample now and you recover strength as you draw near to Fort MacDonald. 
Things are going too well. I don't like this. <laughs> After so many days on the river and nights in the woods, it now feels strange to sit in a stifling room and answer questions about your conduct. So, you know how you've lost members of your party? Uh, all the members of my party? Yep, all yep. of them. So, Ooh. we're going to calculate Ooh. something called your liability score. <laughs> Is the next one alone against the insurance adjusters? <laughs> oh, that, <laughs> that, that would be something. Wow. Okay. The way this is going to work is multiply the number of members of your party you've lost by 15. Does leaving voluntarily count as lost? As in Charlie? Uh, I guess it does. Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's either if you've lost them or they're, they're dead, that kind of thing, if they're, if they're not with you. Okay, so I've lost all four of them. So what was I multiplying it against, did you say? 15? 15. Okay. So that is 60. Four times 15. Okay, so that's your liability score. Now roll a d100 and let me know if it falls greater or uh, equal or less to that score. I just rolled 70, which is 10 above my liability. Okay. I'm guessing that's a fail. Well, actually, no. I was just thinking as I was turning the page because, you know, the more you've lost, the higher the number. So surely if it goes over, then you'll be all right. And that is correct. Oh, when good. the report of your party's misfortunes is analysed by the Canadian authorities, they actually absolve you of any wrongdoing or neglect. Yeah. Wow. That could have been worse. I know. <laughs> so now, completely absolved, you must decide what to announce as the primary result of your explorations in the Valley of the North Hanina. The other discoveries can wait. Now, this is where keywords are going to come in. So, I believe you have Inchcape, do you not? I do. I have three. I have Barefoot, Tangent, and Inchcape. There's a few keywords here, but Inchcape is the only one on this list. So, let's see what that brings up for you. The existence of the Lost Valley and its prehistoric survivals will shake the scientific world and make your name, if your account is taken seriously. Well, that's a plus. <laughs> your story of a lost land earns you the epithet Woods Happy Needleman. You become an embarrassment to the university and the department subtly <laughs> pressures you to resign. I'm not surprised. I've got three sets of grieving parents and presumably some angry Tsutina elders as well. So, after two frustrating years, you quit the university in order to fundraise for a private expedition. Your timing, though, is poor. The Great Depression impoverishes your sponsors and the effort dies. You retain a small cadre of supporters, but enemies in the scientific community place the indelible label of crank upon you. 
the Nadelman expedition is over. Could have been worse. Oh, absolutely could have been worse. You still survived. You were just disgraced mm -hmm. for life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, I think that eventually once she's kind of lost her career and the respect of everything else, she goes back out there and just waits for the wilderness to take her and maybe even to see that thing in the sky again. Mm. The lights and the wind yeah. and the Hyades. And this time she'd go with it. Because you, you really did discover a lot, but it was beyond evidence. It was phantasms and, what, hallucinations yeah. or something. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Seen the Sasquatch, seen various lost societies and animals that don't exist anymore but no fossils or anything like that alas no alas totally different vibe to the other alone against that that i've recorded which had a really sort of folk horror mm. wicker man vibe to it this is this is kind of a bit pulpy almost isn't it not in the mechanics but in the the setting mm, yeah well Apparently, this was originally written um, really, like a really long time ago. So we're talking back in uh, the 80s, um, 84, I think it was, which does make sense. It definitely has mm. a bit of an old school vibe to me of you going out into the wilderness with some party members and yeah. uh, you slowly lose them and that kind of thing. And obviously, they've made some revisions, but yeah. Yeah. Yes, it has a different title now. Originally, yes, it was yeah. called something else. And um, I believe the other scenarios are a bit more recent, are they? Especially Learn Against the Flames? Uh, I'm not certain, but yes, I think, I think Flames is the most recent until Static, yes, obviously, which, yeah. is, which is just out. So, yeah, I think Flames was, was the last one. I'm not certain when Tide. I think Tide might have been the second one. I'm not certain. Speaking of which, listeners, if you want to listen to Alone Against the Tide or Alone Against the Flames, then check out the rest of our uh, discography. <laughs> but yes, what was what was your favourite element of that? Because yeah, th there's obviously a lot to unpack with the different creatures you encountered. Ah, uh, do you know, I think there were two different things which I really enjoyed. Um, first of them is, as you say, it's just the amount of things that you discover. And I think this is probably the most Cthulhu mythos I've ever had in one scenario. It really felt ve very Lovecraftian mm. in, in that way, is in that it was actually, you could spot the uh the names and it's like oh yes i know what that one is and or at least i think i do that's always fun when it goes back to the original source yeah. i think i really enjoyed that and then the other one was just the setting that sort of wilderness survival horror um i'm a big fan of the show yellow jackets which is set in the same kind of area uh, about survivors of a plane crash trying to survive out in the wilderness and there's something there 
in the woods in Canada, apparently, in this show. But you're never quite sure if it's just them going insane or if it's actual supernatural. So big fan of that. And um, also video game that Steam reliably informs me has been my number one game this year called The Forest, which is, again, a survivor in the wilderness in Canada, also being chased by terrifying mutants and cannibals, finding things that civilization was not meant to find. So just that vibe, that really kind of mm. struck me, and, and I really enjoyed that Yeah, setting. I think there's always a lot of scope in those kind of survival wilderness type yeah. settings. Definitely. Definitely somewhere like this, you know, in the north of Canada is incredibly remote. That sense of having to spend so much time traveling as well. And the one person for me, the one person who could have been really helpful and knew the land and knew what was out there, perhaps Charlie, mm. I, she was the first one that I lost. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. And there's no, there's no way of picking up another guide from certainly. No you know, what you did. No, no. I mean, she had tracking skills and all other skills for that area. So that, that real sense of, I really am on my own now, even though I do have my students with me, that sort of creeping, everything is just getting worse and worse the more you go. Mm. But then you did decide to go off the beaten tracks and explore stuff very, very early. I did. But where's the fun in going straight to end game? Well, you know? exactly. Yeah, you're right. That was something which did puzzle me, is that there seemed to be so many opportunities where you could just nope out, essentially. I'm yes. guessing that if you decide to go back, I was fully expecting when I did start heading back down the river for there to be some kind of twist or you think you're reaching the fort and then... Haha, no, here's a big attack by whatever yeah. eldritch abomination yeah. is out there. Thinking about it, that's probably my biggest criticism of this scenario, and that yeah, you're right. You you kind of go go into the wilderness, you see these incredibly supernatural entities, and then you just sort of go back. There's there's no resolution to what those things are doing in terms of closing that bit off. And I, I get the whole thing of, you know, leaving something unanswered, but hmm. you still want some sort of closure, right? It's not just, oh, yeah, yeah you see them and uh, and now you're going back and uh, whatever. Yeah, it, it feels like the climax of the story was supposed to be being taken by the, the grey men and being tied to that rock and being offered up to what I'm presuming is Ithaqua mm. or some other being. It felt like that was supposed to be the end and that if you survive, yay, you win, now you can leave. Or, you know, you, you go and you, you merge with it and get presumably killed in some horrible fashion. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it did. I, I know it's really difficult with a sort of choose your own adventure style book to have a, a through line and to make it any sort of linear plot and to put the, the plot in the order that it's supposed to happen. But yeah, it did feel a bit strange in terms of the pacing. I really mm. enjoyed it, but it, it, it feels like it peaked quite early. Mm. 
yeah, like I said to you, I think on the break, it definitely felt like you were almost doing it backwards in that you, you come across mm -hmm. what, I mean, whether they were Migo or something else, almost straight away. And, and like you said, really strong start. Yeah. And then you had the visions. And then kind of after that, it was starting to teeter off a bit. So, yeah. The lethality as well. That's yes. something. There seem to be a lot more options to die and to die very quickly than in most other, either the Alone Against books or just in scenarios generally. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head how Lethal Flames was because I've not read it fully myself, but I know that in your running of it with Noxicals, I believe it was a bit more balanced, would you say? I don't know if I'd use the word balanced because again it's the the difference in folk horror you you go to the village you notice something a little bit off you get stuck there a little bit more off and it's this kind of escalating dread and you realize in any sort of folk horror thing it, it's much more of a, a slow build-up isn't it yeah um whether that's wicker man or midsommar or, or or anything else kind of in that subgenre of horror but i think with this kind of wilderness survival horror it could be any time and any time mm. that kills you but not necessarily in the first 10 minutes of play no as we've seen in uh, the first episode <laughs> this uh Either Charlie could have died very quickly or I could have died very quickly and become yes. a brain in a jar. Yes, indeed. But as we said, you have a very big brain. I'm sure it would have been very useful and or tasty. Totally. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a good time to end our little post-game chat. But I hope you enjoyed this rendition, uh, as in you, Lydia, and also to our dear listeners. I did. And I'm sure we'll see you again in the near future for our next run of Alone Against. But exactly what that's going to be, well, you'll have to just wait and see. <laughs> <laughs>